0: Welcome to the Crete IQ podcast. Today we have Dr. Amaya Busindui. Uh, Amaya is a pediatrician, is a associate professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and she's also the deputy director of the East African uh, Diploma in Tropical Medicine and uh, Hygiene in Uganda and Tanzania. Thank you very much, Amaya, for accepting uh, mm-hmm. To um, have this podcast with us. It's uh, thank really, you, Monica. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. It's really a pleasure and an honor for uh, honor for us to have you here. So um, you are an expert in uh, neglected tropical diseases, and as we uh, we said, you direct uh, the DTHMh, uh, the East African DTHMh, mm-hmm. and also a module on neglected disease mm-hmm. uh, at the school at the London School of uh, Tropical Medicine. Why do you have this passion, and okay. why do you think this is important? Uh, to know. Well, the neglected tropical diseases—it's um,
1: it's a coined term that really envelopes uh, many diseases that haven't really been at the forefront for research and for teaching and for public awareness. So there is um, a list that is published by WHO on neglected tropical diseases. Right now we have 17 sort of confirmed diseases uh, that make up this list, but it's an ever growing list because essentially they are not the ones that people tend to think about when you think of tropical Mm
0: -hmm. ailments
1: like malaria, HIV, TB. These are diseases that don't have a unifying biology nexus. Uh, they're mostly parasitic diseases, but there's also bacterias and viruses um, that you know, compile or, or make this, this list um, alive. But I think one of the unifying things for all the NTDs is that they have been neglected. Mm-hmm. So they're very well labeled. And this means that the funding to study them, to control them, to eliminate them has been incredibly limited. Now, thankfully, all this is changing very, very slowly. Uh, but there is definitely much more awareness. In 2012, there was a big meeting here in London. Um, it was called the London Declaration of NTDs. And it brought together people from different environments, um, uh, funders, funders like Bill Gates, okay. that has been instrumental in putting NTDs in the agenda just by, by giving money and funding projects. But it also brought together pharma because the pharmaceutical industry, different companies have donated Drugs that are helping to control these NTDs. And then he brought together um, the scientific community um, across the world. So I think that really marked a a moment of change, um, bringing all these people together. Now, having said that, and as an NTD researcher Mm -hmm. and uh, educator as well, we're still lagging behind. So there are other diseases like malaria, TB, and HIV that are still at the forefront. And some of the reasons behind that is maybe they are more related to to bad outcomes like mortality. Mm-hmm. People die more from malaria and HIV. But when you add these entities to the mix, they are diseases that perpetuate poverty, that are very associated with disability,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, children not actually growing to fulfill their full potential. So there is not a single one, um, let's say, out of this list that, that would just... Um, uh, that has made it out of the list, if you wish. I think we we all struggle in the NTD community to be identified and acknowledged.
0: And, and why do you think, I mean, I guess some for some or probably for the majority of these diseases, we could really make an important Im- impact to, to these children, to these people, just by um, having, you know... Uh, by by the awareness of that. Mm-hmm. So why do you think this is not happening? But, well, there is there is some progress. So again, it it's not a the
1: picture is dire because these diseases are everywhere. Um, But there is some progress. And actually, WHO has taken the NTD fight very, very seriously. And there's three big reports coming along with milestones. You know, we have 2020 goals for the control and elimination of some of them. And there is definitely progress on the control side. There is different strategies to combat these diseases. Uh, Some is through delivering drugs every year to the schools through um, mass drug administration Mm -hmm. programs. And that has actually seen an impact in some diseases, so parasitic diseases in particular. Um, So we are making progress. And and when when you go to the WHO, definitely, you know, there's not as many people infected. The infection intensities are lower. But I think we still have a long to go. (laughs) Um, and, And why? Well, because, well... Why that that is that is a big question. There is not money to go around for everyone, um, and when you apply for grants or for funding, then again, I think still HIV, TB, and malaria are ahead of the game. Yeah. With changes, but there is some progress. That there really Good. is.
0: <laughs> Good. And is schistosomiasis um, mm-hmm. one of these diseases? Yes.
1: Know? So schistosomiasis is the second most important parasitic disease after malaria. Um, there is not as many deaths associated with schisto as, as there are for malaria, but definitely in disability, it's it's up there. There's about three hundred million people with schistosomiasis
0: in million. the world. Yeah.
1: 300 million with, but we think that there's over 700 million of people exposed or at risk. And what is Schyster? Well, it's a parasitic disease. It's a parasite that you get from the water, fresh water, so lakes and rivers. There's a little larva that will penetrate your skin. Uh, The skin can be intact, so it doesn't have to be broken skin Mm -hmm. or have any wound. Then the little larva will come in, will go to your blood system. Um, and then will end up growing as big worms in, in different organs of your body. So some schistoparasites go to the urinary tract, some go to the intestine. Okay. And then depending on where they go, they have these eggs that will burrow into your tissues and will develop a lot of scar tissue. Okay. And that is the problem. So it takes, it may take years to develop the problems, Uh, but children actually get affected very easily, very rapidly, because it also gives you anemia um, and other things. And we know that having schistosomiasis um, prevents you from growing uh, appropriately, so children are small. uh, If they have schisto, they have anemia. Um, And there is very sound scientific um, data telling us that they also suffer from educational loss and um, decreased cognition. So it, it impairs all um, spheres of normal life um, and it is there present in almost 74 countries or more in the world.
0: Yes, I know that Amaya, you worked in Uganda, Tanzania and um, in other um countries in Zambia. As well. Zambia yeah. So I, I guess you have you have seen a lot of these patients. And you have recently published a meta analysis on the effects of uh, schistosomizing children, in particular on these cognitive deficits and educational loss. So I'm just quoting your publication. Um, overall, compared to schistosoma uninfected or non dewormed children, the presence of schistosoma infection or non dewormed status was associated with educational, learning, and memory deficits in school. Age children. So the combined evidence suggests that early treatment of children in schizosoma, endemic regions could mitigate these deficits. Definitely. That's, that's you know, such a... It's, it's powerful. A, it's it's powerful, powerful because,
1: yes, um, many times when you're working these, in these villages, and, and mostly I've worked in African villages, you don't you don't have the perception that that children are not doing well. Hmm. And when you ask people, they say, well, you know, they're happy, they're going to school, they run, you know, they have this. But actually, when you go in and measure... Things scientifically, Mm. and we have tools to do this. We have tools to measure aerobic capacity in the field with very um, low-cost tools. We have tools to measure anemia, which is just a little finger prick. Uh, We have also tools to measure cognition, although this is a difficult thing to do because this is pooled data from different... Uh, sites and different studies that yeah. use different methods, so sometimes difficult to compare. Um, but uh, Amara Iziamama, that, that is the, the statistician that did the, the big analysis of this, actually did find a correlation with infection. And it, it is really not a big surprise for us. I'm a pediatrician. I know that anytime a child has an insult in their growth or development, mm-hmm. they will suffer. And there are windows of opportunities in a child's life to attain their full potential, whether that is physical growth or mental growth, we do have a limited amount of time. So there's really no time to waste. And early treatment can not only reverse these outcomes, but can also prevent downstream morbidities, downstream problems that these kids will have. Um, Currently, the way that schistosomiasis is controlled, is through mass drug administration programs, which means that um, ministries of health deliver the only drug that we have to treat it, PrasiQuantil, okay. to the schools uh, once a year, depending on the on how much parasite there is on the prevalence, and will deliver PrasiQuantil uh, to the children once a year or every two years. And that once a year, is supposed to sort of control the infection. But what we do know is that in areas where there's a lot of Schisto, yeah. there's uh, just too much going on, um, high intensities as well, like Lake Albert where I work in, okay. in Uganda yeah. or Lake Victoria, the big lakes, then that is, that is just a drop in the ocean. So Yes, I want just to
0: ask you if the treatment uh, affects him and if it is, is it accessible and... Is that feasible for these communities to... So, um, we struggle
1: uh, with the treatment because, again, right now, PreziQuantil, these people see PreziQuantil just when the Ministry of Health delivers it to the schools. However, uh, many of us, mostly clinicians, are pushing for PreziQuantil to be available in other places like the health centers. If we have antibiotics, if we have... Anti malarials in the health clinic, why not also have Presequantil bring awareness of the disease on a daily basis and particularly for the preschool children that are not included in these control programs because of age. Ah, oh, yes, so we could. They have six years of accumulated. Yeah. But if you start treating these preschool children in the health post, then you are preventing and treating early um, manifestations of the disease. Mm. And you know, we've, we've written about it, we're pushing for it, but there are different issues around this. One of them is there's not PreziQuantle to go around. It's a donated drug.
0: So, yeah, I was asking what the cost yes. of price held, So
1: Well, that depends. So it, if it's for control programs, it's a donated drug. WHO has made an effort, and Merck is the one donating the drug, mm-hmm. which has been amazing. Um, they committed to treat with 250 million tablets per year. Uh, which sounds like a lot, but when you put all the people yeah. that actually would require the tablets, it's not as many. Um, they're definitely not enough. But on the other hand, it could be purchased, and yes. Quantal is a purchased drug as well. Um, as, uh, depending, the cost really will depend on the manufacturer. The country mm. can be as little as, as, a, as a quarter, um, as a 25 cents per tablet or even less, which can a lot be- less. It can be a any, any way
0: anyway for this population and for these communities, maybe
1: right, but then the programs then could look at different ways of financing these drugs if, mm-hmm. if they were accepted, just like you do with antibiotics or any other drug that is off patent essentially yeah. and there 's another problem with presssequentil again it 's the only drug that we have, and that is there's not. A pediatric formulation. So right now, the only formulation that we have is a really large tablet. It's like a horse tablet. Mm-hmm. And for treating preschool children, we have to crush it and mix yeah, it with a little bit ideal. of li- yeah. liquid. So there, there is a pediatric formulation in the works.
0: Yeah, um, but I remember this was a problem with other uh, drugs in the past for HIV drugs. Yes, and HIV drugs, so TB we drugs. Yeah. Overcome mm-hmm. that. So pro- I don't know. I'm just Funding. trying to be, yeah, <laughs> optimistic and say you know it's that's why yes. it's so important that people like you are doing this research and you know yes. advocacy on these neglected diseases because for sure those communities they don't have the Yes, the opportunity yeah. to, to to fight for for their rights. Yeah. So let's be optimistic, and, and you've done some a lot of research in that as well. In, in, in drug efficacy the,
1: um, and, and the dose, because of course there's yeah. many there's many questions as a formulation. There's the right dosing. There's the right dosing interval. Uh, again, it's it's a it's a world that hasn't had enough funding to do the yeah. studies that you normally think should be done.
0: Yeah, like exactly. HIV
1: antiretrovirals. There is an extensive literature on PKPD studies at all ages and malaria drugs, the same thing. And so why not so much in NTDs? So I'm talking about Schisto, but of course there's other um, diseases like lymphatic filariasis, um, soil transmitted helmets, mm-hmm. and, and we could go on and on. It's just, it's difficult. I'm, I'm taking the Schisto road as, as, yeah. a, as a flagship of of NTDs. That, mm-hmm. That's
0: very interesting. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I would like to, um, to ask you is that I, I work in a, in a medium DGH in UK and, and do you think that knowing about uh, these neglected diseases is important even to clinicians like I am, you know, who maybe are not planning to go abroad or what yeah. the, is it, is it because it's important to know about injustice? It, because why do you think it's so important for mm-hmm. every clinician to know about that?
1: Oh, for many reasons. So, first of all, because I think um, as clinicians, we, we owe our patients, no matter where they come from, certain knowledge. on on background diseases, and and particularly in London, um, it is incredibly relevant because I also work in a a hospital here in London, in South London, and what we see is an amazing increase in influx of immigrants, that some of them are living here, they're permanent residents, some are just newly arrived, some of them come and go to their places where their family lives. So obviously, because they're not as careful in their prophylaxis and their travel plans and, and things, they come back with all sorts of tropical diseases. So definitely from that point of view, it's, it's important to know about these things. There's a, 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 a big um, um, laboratory result to chase when there's one of these return travelers coming in, which is eosinophilia. And, you know, the workup oh, okay. for eosinophilia can definitely trigger the workup of some of these NTDs. Um, mm-hmm. Some to mention uh, strongyloides, which definitely is not one that is always at the head of everyone. Oh, yes, of course. filariasis, yeah. schistosomiasis. Particularly yeah, in yes. patients. Yeah. So I always tell when, when we teach about NTDs is you have to look at the map and when you have a patient in front of you with you know a constellation of symptoms and signs that you know is a little bit out of your depth just bring the maps out these entities are mapped the same way as malaria is there's definitely resources online um the infectious diseases service that we run at St George's and many other hospitals can advise mm-hmm. on, on these diseases as well the more you know, the, the better it is for your patients. Yes, it should be like that, absolutely. Um, and there's also travel medicine, which yeah. I should probably mention, but more and more people are traveling to such yes, places. Yeah, I was just
0: asking. Yeah. And the
1: more adventurous you are, probably the less likely you are to go to a travel <laughs> clinic before the travels or after the travels. Yeah. And then we do see some some of that, some return travelers with, with uh, some of with the NTDs. Yeah.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So, Schistosomiasis is definitely one of them. So we definitely need to have a high level of suspicions because as usual, yes,
1: uh, you definitely. know, in
0: medicine, if you don't think about that, exactly. you, don't, you, don't, you don't see what you don't know. Exactly. So you have <laughs> so to have important. a high index yeah. of suspicion. Yeah. Another thing I would um, like you to mention is the role of um, point of care ultrasound. Uh, we know that it is used here in the UK, and, and and it's very important for clinicians, particularly at the front door, like, you know, um, emergency medicine and, and critical care. Uh, but there is the focus has got a really important role in developing countries as well, is it, is mm-hmm. it the case? Yes,
1: it's a it's very exciting field, and it's gaining recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same approach that you would have in A&E or in critical care of answering a clinical question, yeah. again, when you teach clinicians on point-of-care ultrasound, and there are a few phenomenal radiologists in the UK and, and in Italy as well and, and elsewhere, <laughs> thinking that you can actually give this tool to a clinician, not to become a radiologist, that's yeah. never the goal, but to answer questions. So when you translate that, when you, when you get it from the radiology field and, and put it into tropical medicine setting, what you find is that if I'm in a schistosomiasis endemic area and you know what parasites you're dealing with, when you use the ultrasound, you already have a specific question. So, for example, to give you an example of my work in Uganda Lake Albert, Uganda, Northern Uganda, we know that there is intestinal form of schistosomiasis. So when we go with the ultrasound, the question is, is the liver fibrotic or not? Mm -hmm. Specific question, boom. And that's what we look for. If we're working in Malawi, around Lake Malawi, the question would be, is the urinary tract fibrosis? Boom. And you answer that question. There is a, an important group in Italy working on
0: echinococosis,
1: which ah, is yes, another Because NTD. We do
0: have echinococosis You have in Italy. a lot of <laughs> yeah. So the
1: clinical question is, boom, am I going to find cysts or not? Mm. And then you look, but it's a targeted question. Is using the ultrasound as a tool to help you with, with this filariasis. It's another parasitic disease, and there's seals related to it from lymphatic okay,
0: yeah.
1: um, migration of the parasite. So it is a phenomenal tool, and I always tell the students, if you're going to have one skill, please illustrate, educate yourself in point-of-care ultrasound.
0: This is extremely interesting. This is really... So, Amaya, uh, thank you very much. Uh, You're very this is just going to be the first meeting. <laughs> we, we're going to have more than that. <laughs> more in NTD. So we're starting a new module
1: at the LSHTM. And next year it will be online as well. So we can have people from um, that cannot make it to London. This year it will be the first year face-to-face. And um, and then we'll have it online. So hopefully we can get some of you Absolutely, enrolled.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thank oh, you. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. having me, Monica. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.